Hello all you seekers, explorers and renegades out there, this is the Alchemy Experience podcast and I am your host, Christopher Lemke. I've called this episode Against All Odds and uh, I think it'll become quite apparent to you shortly why. Today I am uh, honored to have a guest by the name of uh, Nolan Pillay, who's uh, joining me for a discussion. And he is truly aspirational, inspirational. The challenges he's faced and being able to come back and do what he's doing is truly amazing. As you will hear shortly in his own words, Nolan grew up in South Africa in uh, one of the townships during apartheid. Uh, and he comes from uh, the black community down there. So clearly he had every possible challenge, challenge and obstacle against him. So if this wasn't enough, the universe certainly had uh, another few more hurdles for him to come, climb over for him to realize his own uh, potential and uh, for him to step into his uh, greatness. Today he uh, has just recovered for during this interview anyway. He's uh, just recovering from uh, COVID-19 and uh, clearly yet another challenge for him to overcome but he does it with uh, with much courage and power. Nolan is the archetype of someone who shows up to be of service to give back to his community that he's, uh, he's come from to help those that are disadvantaged to uh, find their own inner strength and empower them to follow their dreams and become the ultimate versions of themselves. So let's dive into it and let's uh, hear from the man himself and uh, yeah, let's be dazzled. Enjoy! Welcome everybody and uh, I have the pleasure today of having uh, Nolan Pillay with me here on the podcast, the Alchemy Experience podcast. So welcome, Nolan. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Pleasure. And uh, Nolan is uh, in South Africa, grown and bred in uh, in South Africa. And uh, so, yeah, we wanted to hear your story. And uh, we know that you've uh, battled uh, a bit of a little bit here now with the uh, COVID. And uh, we won't go into too much to that. But uh, we were very happy to have you here on. Uh, on the podcast today, I know it's uh, been a challenging journey for you. So uh, you you are a testament to the challenges with COVID, but also the uh, how to overcome it. So well done, you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Chris. So yeah, um, why don't you take us back to the beginning and let us know a little bit about your journey and how you ended up where you are today? Sure. Uh... Very interesting journey. I'll start off uh, as a 10-year-old boy. Uh, I remember my mom used to wake up like 5 a.m. in the morning and she used to make these Indian delicacies. Uh, The reason why she used to make it is in order for us to go from one home to the next selling these delicacies. Now, if we didn't make a sale, it just simply meant that we wouldn't have had money to buy bread and it just meant there was no lunch. But all was not lost. Uh, the school still provided lunch for us mm-hmm. uh, in the form of sandwiches. So we were grateful for that. But growing up in a life of poverty was never an easy one. I, I still recall days when it was raining and you don't use a jersey on a cold day. You know, you actually feel like your bones are going to break off with the chill of the cold. You're not using your shoes to school. So life was really difficult. Uh, I, I, I remember clearly, Chris, my exams, we study with a small candlelight like this. And it's not because of load shedding, which we have very often in South Africa currently, uh, but it's mainly because the, our parents couldn't afford to pay the electricity bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so growing up was tough and it, it taught me so many different things. And as I grew up uh, in life and in school, I decided I needed to do some part-time work as well to help the family. So my first job, was as a Bowser boy. We call them petrol attendants. Uh, right. you know, just, I know most of the world, you get to fill gas in your car on your own. Uh, in South Africa, it's not so. We have petrol attendants doing this. So it was a job. Uh, it was after school hours. 
got in a little extra cash that helped us at home, uh, it helped us survive. And, you know, I just carried on my life like that, where I had to focus on my schooling and I had to focus on doing something part-time. But my biggest pain came in the year I was writing my metric exams. That was in 1989. Uh, I remember clearly, uh, I was a sportsman of the year for about five years in school. So I had my athletic ability up to date. I also felt academically, I had everything under control. Up until it came to the exam time, I went in, I wrote the exam, all confidence, knowing that I'm gonna do extremely well. The sad part was when it came to results day, and back in the day, we didn't get our results electronically. We had to go to the local newspaper station and wait up until midnight for them to give you a, a printed newspaper. And I get my newspaper, I rummage through it, I'm trying to find my name, and my name is not there. Now, it could only mean one thing. If your name is not there, it means you failed. So I didn't overreact. I waited till the next morning. I went and spoke to the principal and I said, uh, Mr. So-and-so, my name is not in, in the newspaper. Can you please check uh, and see what's going on here? And he said, he checked and he says, I'm sorry, but you did not pass your metric. Chris, it was like a knife stabbing through my heart at the time. Uh, I went into a little depression. I was saddened. My home was about 150 meters to 100 meters away from the school. So I walked back home, but all I was thinking in my mind at the time was, this is it, this is the end of Nolan. And I seriously went home I took a bunch of pills and I attempted to end my life. But uh, God didn't want me at the time. It really wasn't my time. I was rushed to hospital. Uh, they pumped out a whole lot of tablets from my system. And like I said, God wanted me to survive. I had such a bigger purpose or there was such a bigger purpose planned for me uh, that I survived it. So coming out from it, I was all embarrassed because we lived in a community, a very close-knit community where people would laugh at you when things like this go bad for you. And it, it's, it so happened that I realized my neighbors had their own problems. So the focus wasn't as much on me. So I had to do whatever it took. Without a metric certificate, it was very difficult to get into work. There was no way you could get into a job. So I started looking for work. I spoke to a friend and I said to him, please, can you speak to your dad? I knew he worked in a manufacturing company. Uh, they used to make the, uh, the local tea. I said, please try and get me and I'll do whatever it takes. Whatever job there is, I will take it. And lo and behold, the same year, 1989, December, they hired me as a packer and a sweeper. Okay. So yeah. what an interesting job. Uh, you know, it just meant packing and sweeping around your machine. But I was grateful that I could get into a permanent job and get a salary every month. I did this for about six months, six to seven months. And something struck me the one day while I was working night shift. And it was a question I asked myself. And it went like this, Nolan, is this where you want to be for the rest of your life? And I decided day and then, Chris, that you know what? This is not me. This is not my life. And I had to do something about it. So that something that I needed to do about it was to work on weekends and work overtime to get extra funds so that I could fund myself to do small little diploma courses, uh, like a production management course, a purchasing management course, which I did. And it, it helped me to climb up the ladder within the company. So I was grateful I used my experience. I didn't allow my life to end where I was. I just progressed and progressed all the time up until the point uh, in the year 2000, I was moved from my home city, which is Pittamarisburg, into a much larger city, which I live in now, which is called Johannesburg, uh, some 600 mi kilometers away from home. Uh, I took a promotion here. And when I got here to Johannesburg, I knew there was much more growth opportunities. Still, I was not satisfied with where I was. 
I knew there was so much more to Nolan and I needed to unleash everything that I had within me. And that's when in the year 2002, I decided that I needed to pursue my career in SAP, uh, SAP, it's an IT package. So I did that from the year 2002, I got certified yet again, the, to get onto the five week academy for, this, for SAP costed a huge amount of money at which I couldn't afford. I decided that I needed to self-study and just write the exam. So it meant do your normal job from eight to five, come home, spend a little time with the family then study till one, two in the morning, just so that you can get your certification in SAP. And I did that, it took me less than a year. I wrote my exam, I passed at the same time and it allowed me to become a contractor and it opened up so many other opportunities for me. So I worked for a lot of major companies within, uh, well, globally in fact, up until June, 2019, I call it my beautiful destruction. Uh, I know it's, it's a famous word that we all use. Uh, the reason why I call it my beautiful destruction is I had gone through a bad humanity experience in the corporate world. And I started questioning myself, do you wanna be treated like this again and again and again? Or do you wanna do something about it? So I decided on the latter, I realized I needed to do something about it. And that's when I left a corporate job, uh, a high paying corporate job where I was traveling internationally at least twice a month. I decided to quit. I had started my company straight up with Nolan in 2015, but I didn't do anything with it up until June, 2019, because I was too comfortable in working for a boss and traveling, et cetera. So I knew that the company was there and I needed to do something. So it was then then that I made a promise to myself that I'm gonna come back and I'm going to teach people in the corporate world how to be human again. So basically help restore humanity. So forward went to 2021, here we are together uh, today and I'm full force on my company straight off with Nolan. And it's all about self-development, personal mastery, it's about helping other people be better people. I go by a trademark, uh, which is called be the best version of yourself. And that's what I like to encourage as many people as possible. And I teach them based on my experiences and what I've been through life. Well, that's a fascinating story, Nolan. And uh, it is interesting that we are, you and I brought together because my massive transformative purpose is to empower people to um, prioritize passion. So when I go out and work with people and or individuals and companies, I do it to help them rekindle or to find their passion. So a lot of times when I work with the entrepreneurs that are, uh, shall we say, they've been in their business for 7, 15, 25 years, whatever, and they after a while, we tend to get bogged down in our in our minutia uh, with the administration, and this, you know, fear kind of creeps in slowly but surely, right? And uh, we lose this uh, lose sight of why we got into it in the first place. So that's where I come in and I help them uh, to rekindle that and uh, kind of sort, just kind of sort through the mess, as it were. So it's interesting, you're coming from the aspect of uh, helping companies to become human again. And in order to be, uh, be human, you need to, I think, change your mindset of seeing things not from a uh, monetarily, uh, monetary benchmark value, but rather of a quality and a value-based benchmark, right? Yeah. So it's more it's all about so, the value add. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so to be able to see the human, or to be to be human is to see the value of another. Yeah. And the value exactly. is not monetary. It's not materialistic. It's the the character or the character of that human, the the pure essence and the essence and the authenticity of that human, right? Exactly, hundred percent. So the yeah. So the, there's you know. There are no coincidences in my world, so uh, no, I know why we're brought together. 
that's the universal connection. Exactly. So, so yeah. So you've been on this journey for a couple of years now, 2019. Um, clearly, uh, starting a, for most people that turn around and say, "Well, starting a company in 2019 with COVID hitting in 2020." Uh, that must have been uh, unlucky planning, but uh, I have a feeling that you're not going to feel feel that uh, it was that way. No, not at all. I, I saw so much more growth during this time, uh, personally, that it was just unbelievable. And I, when I think back about it, uh, if I was like really busy doing other stuff, I wouldn't have had this opportunity to work on myself and and help others in in. in at the same time so it's, it's a blessing in disguise so has covid changed apart from your your personal experience with the actual virus has the epidemic in itself has that changed your how you run your business and your your out or your perspective of your business how has that changed so the, the fact that we can't do face-to-face coaching means everything has to be done online. Mm-hmm. So that's a massive change. Uh, I still believe that we as humans, we need that human interaction. And I'm not talking about online. You need to see the person. Uh, you need a hug now, then, right? Sorry? You need a hug now, then, right? Exactly. I was, I was about to say, that's so key because it's that human touch that that is missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, virtual hugs, they work to a certain point, but they're not as real. Uh, so I, I miss that a lot, but due to circumstances, you cannot let that hold you back. Mm-hmm. You got to still push forward up until such point that you can meet up and do the hugs and spend a bit more time with each yeah, other. Yeah, sure. So if we look at the way that you approach your your coaching with businesses, are there elements that have changed during the year in terms of the the philosophies around straight talk with Nolan and be the better version of yourself? No, it's, it's still the same. I still believe that there's fundamental values or core values that I still stick to and I abide by mm-hmm. because it is lacking. Uh, there's a gap. So for example, if you look at uh, what goes on in, in South Africa, we sometimes have cases where people will destroy things unnecessarily. Now, it all goes back to the fact that they're not grateful for that building that they have, for example. So it's these basic values that are lacking. So when we went into COVID, I realized that there still is a gap. Although I saw humanity improve a little, but it didn't improve up to the expected mark that I I would have thought it would would change to. So I still keep the same routine. I still keep the same core values that straight up with Nolan focuses on because I believe it is well needed. Okay, so um, then absolutely. I think it's a, uh, it's a tremendously valued platform and it's, it's, um, it's a solid one. Uh, but obviously the epidemic has brought out a lot of shadow aspects of us as humans and also us as a collective. And a lot of shadows, but also a lot of uh, beautiful values. Uh, you know, the, the value of community and cooperation and caring for your hu- uh, fellow humans and so forth. At least that's what I've seen in my local area here. But it has also revealed a lot of fear. So I didn't, in my coaching practice, I think one of the... It hasn't changed the, the practice in itself, but it's amplified the importance of looking at, for example, fear. What what factor, what element does fear play in our lives and in our decision-making and how we act, how we speak, how we think, etc. So even though fear was always one of the main things that I looked at, looked at when I did coaching, it has now become even more of a focus to say, okay, let's look at the fears you have um, and how to discover those, right? So uh, do you feel that any of those aspects 
any of the lessons we've brought forward from COVID? Has there been anything that you've been able to incorporate into your practice and to your um, how you how you go out and talk to people? Indeed, no, absolutely. Uh, fear is, is you're right. It's a major aspect, right? And so what I, I do now, and I did tweak certain things around with my coaching because I do like to address fear in the sense that if you look at what people do currently, they are so inundated with all this negative media that's out there. And that unfortunately is bringing on more fear onto the person. Now, to be honest, me, I'm not sure about the numbers of people that are infected with COVID. Uh, or have uh, the number of people who have passed on. Because what I'm missing at the moment, and this is what puts a lot more fear in people is, in South Africa, we used to have a high rate of tuberculosis deaths. Now, and even heart attacks for that matter. I don't see those stats. So, you know, it's been reported as one and people are a little gullible in the sense that whatever they see, they start believing in it. And what it automatically does is it puts fear into their mind. And when they have fear, unfortunately, they would do the wrong things. They would become complacent. So fear is a major topic that we, we have to address. Uh, I bring it in. When I, when I teach it, I basically say to people that, you know, it is a false expectation. So what we should do is forget about everything, confirm or transform fear into forget everything and rise. Mm -hmm. so that's what I try to bring into them and I make them realize that no matter how much they fear it's they as a person that's causing this fear to themselves yeah. it's nobody else that's doing it to them so you can get out of it yes yeah, so I totally agree with that and I, I typically go a little further in uh, when I talk to clients I say okay look at the fear as a friend or as an opportunity for you to discover where it comes from so when you experience the fear that typically then if you allow it to opens up a door into your past with a breadcrumb trail leading back to the original sensitizing event that then created that or established that fear within you uh, because we all as we learn things we often it's uh, it's external stimuli right oftentimes uh, and then it's something that our conscious mind, conscious mind then processes and then puts in here subconscious if it becomes a learned behavior correct uh, so often i would say 99 times out of 100 our fears are illusionary and there are notions of uh, our programming and our learned behavior uh, so if I feel lack of money, um, that is then based on what our parents have talked about or experienced in terms of uh, their relationship with money, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so it, it has, it was for me at least, it was a beautiful moment or a beautiful experience as uh, the lockdown here in the UK was enforced in March last year that you know, I started to engage with the fear mongering and the some of the conspiracy theories. And I was like, I, I kind of stepped back from myself and said, okay, why am I engaging in this fear? And I had to kind of just say, it's not something I control, whatever mm -hmm. goes on out there. You know, I'm, as an individual, I'm not going to be able to control the government, whether we shut down or not. I can only control my perception of the experience. I'm, I can only control my thoughts, my words, and my, act, my actions relating to the experience. So to me, the fear was then uh, the, the counterbalance to what I wanted to actually do. So I looked at the fear and said, what's the opposite of that? And I yeah. went in that direction. And that's how I used it personally. But then, obviously, uh, of course, I've been able to bring, bring that to the, uh, my clients. So, you know, and speaking in public and all that, it was not something I did before COVID hit. Now, suddenly, I was 
you know, my, my intuition guiding me towards, uh, you know, starting my meditation practice uh, online, doing group meditations. I started running classes. I got into Mind Valley, and then with the different groups there, I was able to bring more classes and more uh, teachings and more coaching. So, uh, and then I started this podcast in January. So it's it's brought me to where I am today. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the experience. Mm-hmm. But as a collective, as a collective, we are the ones that bring about these experiences, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of that, for you personally, what has the the because I can see in your the way that you talk about your experiences. There's an there's a innate drive there, but there's also innate intuition as to, yes, I have to, uh, I messed up on this exam, and then you go through that trauma, but when you come out of that, come out of it, you, you changed your mindset and your perception, right? And there's something that says, no, you got to do this. And then you go out and get it, right? Exactly. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with when I did go through, well, I, I, would, I would refer back to even when I was a 10-year-old boy, right? Mm-hmm. In everything that I did, when I started seeing these growth patterns within myself, I realized that there's so much more to me. I mean, even now, as I, as I speak to you now, I know there's still so much more growth within myself. And there's uh, we continuously learning as humans, right? We learn on a, on a daily basis. But the key taking for me is whatever I'm learning, if I'm not applying this, then it becomes just useless learning to me. So the, the, the experience has been like really great in a way because personally experiencing all of the trauma, all of the poverty, et cetera, allows me now to inspire more people and let them realize that life does not have to end where they are. So we have a lot of, uh, I I go out into the, we call it the townships Mm -hmm. or or the rural areas uh, where a lot of people, if you look at them, there's just no drive uh, or they've just given up. They're just content with life. But the moment you start having a discussion with them, you realize that they have so much of potential within them, but they just don't know how to get it out. They don't know how to unleash this potential. And this is where I come in and I I speak to them. I have a lot of respect for this generation of youth. Uh, I purely believe that they are gonna be the game changer and they're gonna be changing a lot of things within the country, within the world, because there's a lot of authenticity that's coming out from them. And I teach that in, in my programs. It's all about authentic leadership. When you're going out there to meet somebody, you don't have to be somebody who you're not. Just be yourself. So it's very important for for many people to realize that no matter what situation you are going through at this present moment or have gone through, life does not have to end at that point. You can still pick up the pieces and move forward. It it comes back to my COVID uh, experience in the last couple of weeks. I was at a stage where there was a choice between life or death. Uh, I went in at oxygen levels at 58% and it was dropping fast. But I had to make a decision in my mind. Am I going to fight this or am I going to play the victim or pity card and just allow it to take me? Mm-hmm. So I decided to fight it. So I was still not going to allow my life to end there. And I remember clearly that my mind was keep telling me that there's so much more that I need to do in the world. So it's really is not my time to pass on now. I got to fight this, got to go back and start helping more and more people. And it's by experiences like this that allow us to go out there and inspire people because it's real life experiences. It was like you have to be reminded, reminded yet again to uh, you know, reach in for that that, that, that life passion, that life uh, spark. But I, I, I feel that you, you already had that. So uh, it makes one wonder what was, the, uh, what was the purpose of the COVID experience? Um, 
you know that that might be revealed revealed to you later. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm the sure. the challenge we have, and I find a lot of times, and one of the things I want to do in this lifetime is to uh, create opportunities for disadvantaged uh, communities to empower themselves, to go in and help them understand that they are only limited by their own mindset and their own beliefs, their limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, they may not have the privilege and the opportunities that you know, a white guy from a middle-class uh, suburb somewhere has, but that's all within the what's in front of them. So yeah. uh, as you say, you didn't pass your exams, so... Um, Technically, you should have been prevented from all the opportunity. I mean, just based on where you grew up and in South Africa. Uh, now, at this time, when, when did apartheid end in South Africa? 1994. Yeah, so you were in the middle of a, apartheid oh, yeah. as well. So by, by the color of your skin in South Africa and not having an exam and coming from uh, this uh, poor background, Really, you should not have had the opportunities that you have today, right? Yeah. Based on paper. And Based on I mean, paper. that was the government's uh, uh, expressed uh, desire as well for you not to have that, right? Exactly. So all odds against you. Exactly. So I think your story is so aspirational for anyone who has all the odds against them to say, well, what is it that what are the odds that are against you? And oftentimes it's what is within ourselves that is against us. So I think a lot of times, and I talk to my clients about this too, is we worry so much about the hows as opposed to the what's and the why's. What is it that I want and why is that? Because if you know the, what you want, you can feel the why. Yeah. So you can, you can feel, okay, when I have that what, then how would I feel? And you bring that feeling within yourself and then you create that resonance allowing you, A, psychologically, you activate your uh, reticular activation system so that you start seeing opportunities that will allow you to go in that direction. Also, once you ask those questions, what would it feel like? Then once you ask a question to your brain, your brain is compelled to answer the question, right? And we'll start to look for opportunities for uh, matching the, the uh, feeling that you have inside. So if you're thinking negatively, then yes, and you feel negative within you, you are going to experience those negativities, right? And I, I personally, from my belief system, it's the universe saying, oh, you'd like some of that? I'll give you some more. So if you feel good, that's what you get. If you feel bad and negative, that's what you get too. So it's, and it's when we start worrying about the house, like I know what I want, I know how it's going to feel. And then we mix in the house and say, oh, how am I going to get there? Then we get that uh, feeling of fear because we yeah. can't envision how it's going to happen. I'm like, don't worry about the house. Just know the what's and the why's and take steps towards that. And then everything else will be uh, arranged for you. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's so true. And that's what holds back so many people because they focus more on how I'm going to get there, not why I want it. Mm-hmm. Why do I want it so badly? Mm-hmm. And that's where the focus changes. And this is where uh, I also come in with, from a mindset point of view and I always guide them, don't focus on how you're gonna to get to that point. Just worry, are you hungry enough? Yeah. Are you really hungry enough? Is this gonna get you out of bed every single day to come and pursue it? Is that the goal that you really want? And be, besides that, is that your goal or is it someone else's goal? Yeah. But something that you want as badly, you're going to chase after that. Yeah, no, I think you touched on an extremely important part that is, what are the expectations of our society? What are the, the programming for society? So in your case, it was, well, you, 
you're you're not white, so therefore you shouldn't succeed. And you are poor, so therefore you can't make money. And you have now failed your exam, so therefore you can't succeed. But you have that drive within you, that fire within you, that passion within you, right? Yeah. To succeed because you knew you could succeed. There was something in that exam that didn't work out for you, but you, you didn't take that on as your own belief. Oh, I'm not smart enough. Yeah. Right? And it's it's when we. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. You looked at your failures as stepping stones to success. Stones. Exactly, hundred percent. As opposed to uh, looking at your failures as something that defines you. Yeah. Right. I'm totally correct. So totally how can correct. we help people uh, get into the mindset of that failures are good and that we need to fail in order to succeed? So, so I strongly believe it's, if you look at a lot of South Africans, uh, a lot of them come with a conditioned mindset uh, from a very early age. So it's all about working with them and helping them to unlearn those, that condition that they had where they created these limiting beliefs, et cetera. It's all about unlearning that and allowing them to learn that there's so much more out there. And only they can learn it. We can guide them, we can give them the tools, et cetera, but they need to bring out this beast, so to speak, within them. So when I, when I speak about mindset uh, to a lot of people, uh, I make them realize based on my experiences as well, look at me as a person of a, a, a black person in South Africa. I've been through all of this here as well, yet I still pushed through, I persevered, I was persistent enough to get to where I was. So what's the difference between me and you? In fact, if I look at your conditions now, you are now living in a country where there is no such thing as apartheid. So you're living in a very free country. So the chances of you succeeding is much higher than I had back in the day. So it's all about tweaking this. And like I said, with the, with the youth of today, I believe they have so much of potential because when I do coach them, when I go out and speak to them, you can see they have so much potential, but they don't know how to channel, channel it. They, they don't even know how to set goals for themselves. So this is the gap that we uh, that I spoke about that's there in the market. And unfortunately, we're at a situation where the government would not fund me or any of the other coaches out there to go and educate our teens, right? And our youth. And there's reasons for that uh, as well. But we got to take the initiative because we want to see a better human race we want to see a better country and a better world as well. So we push through amidst all of this just so that we can help this youth of today. Absolutely. And, the, and I work with uh, some, some young people as well. And the funny thing or the interesting thing is that they have the whys very clearly established for themselves. They know why they want to do it, but they don't know what. So it's it's... I describe it as having the blank canvas in front of you and not knowing what to paint on it. Yeah. Um, when you when you get the artist's uh, blockage, as it were. So I typically ask uh, my clients to go into meditation and and attach or kind of establish words to say the why so why do you want to feel this way oh it's because i want freedom i want to feel accomplished or i want to feel whatever it is and i ask them to kind of play with the word and the emotion and just see what colors come up see what structures or if there are any uh, geometrics that come up and play with it because then they can start putting pieces to that canvas and creating the what's, right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, say, okay, well, in your experience, freedom, what would that look like? So feel that feeling and, and just allow that picture to materialize in your uh, mind's eye or within your, uh, within your internal senses, because then you can start painting this picture of the what's. And once you know that, 
then things are going to start happening very quickly. Because yeah. I, I spent God knows how many bloody years uh, not knowing the what's. I knew the why's. I was a little uh, uh, misguided as to the what's or the why's. Uh, but once I got them straight, I was like, okay, how do I figure out what, because the future was like a blank canvas. I was like, I don't know what. And then once I started painting that, and I'm not quite finished with the painting yet, but once I started painting it, then things started happening very quickly. Then, you know, 2020 was definitely a year of uh, catalyst for me in that respect to know, understand the what's. Um, so I can I can totally uh, re I resonate with the uh, the young people today with the this yearning to be authentic and the yearning to be themselves and express themselves and all that and we as adults we turn around and we we complain that they're directionless and they are you know they only want 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 don't want to give anything and instead of complaining we should probably turn around and see what the what is it that's so beautiful that they bring and help them coach so look at help them with what's help them develop that help them paint that picture right absolutely 100 percent. and and that's that's the gap as well right that's where we find they have the potential but there's nobody holding their hands nobody's really guiding them no absolutely and it, i don't think it's even i think a lot of people actually Make the, if we're talking metaphorically here, holding hands, it's more of being behind them. Yeah. So that they know if, if they fall backwards, that we catch them. You know, we're not going to be there to prop them up or hold their hand, but we're there to guide them from behind. And so, yeah. so that they feel supported in their purpose and their missions, right? And, and they also realize at that point that hey, somebody does see something in me mm -hmm. that I may be not seeing as yet. Yeah. Well, that, that also goes back to something I've discovered about myself. I have two children, my oldest 14, or turning 14, the youngest 10. I've discovered within, my, within myself in my journey with them that I tended to look at them as small humans, as small adults, as opposed to being unique individuals having a child's experience so yeah. you know me you know if i go back five years or six years and the way i would talk to them would be as i would talk to an adult and expecting them to understand yeah. what i was saying from the perspective of an adult but how could they i mean Exactly. It's impossible. There are children with uh, minds that are uh, much freer. They don't have the limitations that I, as an adult, have. Their, you know, their fantasy is amazing, but they have the limitation in that, for example, until they're ten years old, they don't understand the concept of individual thought. So they will look at any, you know, if I yell at them. Uh, for spilling uh, at that time anyway if I yelled at them for spilling some juice or milk or whatever in their mind they think I'm failing I'm not doing good enough I, I mustn't fail they can't see that that's not necessarily what I'm thinking that is law to them because they think I think that too so if they think it I must think it so they don't that then becomes the programming. Yeah, I can't fail. I'm not good enough, right? Exactly. So that's then going to be reflected in their life as they go forward. They may not realize that that's in the background. They may not re realize that's in in the subconscious as they act out in life. But it keeps coming back. It's that idea that if we focus on the negative, we're going to experience the negative. If you're subconscious has that idea of not being enough, then that experience is going to come back until you realize it and you deal with it and you heal it, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to do it, go in and cleanse it out, right? 
Well, that's it. Your cleans up, yeah. So we 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 tend to, and a lot of times I, we talk actually today, actually about an hour ago I published a uh, uh, a new episode of the podcast. Uh, we're talking about spiritual bypass, which is where uh, we we pursue these passion projects, whether it be politics, business spiritual pursuits whatever it is but we get misguided and we start moving into we we use it as a cloak to not deal with our baggage so we don't deal with our jealousy we don't deal with our uh, our relationship with power and so forth and the greed and all of these elements and then so we we kind of we're so afraid to deal with those buried emotions uh, because they hurt and they it feels uncomfortable to let them come up, right? Yeah. So, uh, taking for example some of the experiences you've had with, you know, the trauma of a suicide attempt and the stigma of that, how did you deal with the, those things? So, so the first thing is I needed to acknowledge it. Uh, that it did happen, it was real. And once I realized that it did happen, I, I realized w- what was done cannot be undone. But I could learn from it and I could improve from it. And that's where the rebuild on that spe- specific incident happened, that take it as a lesson learned and grow from it. So it's uh, that level of acceptance. That level of acceptance, yeah. So it's interesting because uh, I, in my coaching practice, I have four principles. So it's uh, compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. Yeah. And with every experience, you move through those, you circle through uh, those four uh, principles, and that's how you heal them. Because I personally, I ended up in a situation uh, a couple of years ago, and, I, and it was very much a spiritual bypass kind of a situation. And people said, no, well, you could go back and heal that. I'm like, how? How do I heal that? <laughs> I don't understand what it means to go back and heal you know, childhood trauma. I don't understand yeah. that. And that, that's how I, I kind of devised this program for myself uh, of looking at things compassionately, accepting them, and then forgiving myself and others um, and taking the, the gift that was there for me to be had uh, and being grateful for that and that yeah. that healed it right no indeed indeed and and the forgiveness part is is the most is also important as well mm-hmm. because at the time uh you wouldn't know better right uh you, you're just in the state of mind mm-hmm. and your state of mind is anger depression whatever it may be at the time and you just want to go away and just not come back yeah but when you realize now at, at a later age uh, that hey you know what it wasn't so bad after all so you need to learn to forgive yourself so all of the, the the same four that you use are also if you put it into context like I'm grateful that I didn't pass on mm-hmm. you know, so it, 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 it was God's way of saying I have more work for you well you can look back at that and then you can draw that strength from it and say, no, I, I'm still here because as you, in your, in your perception, God wants me to continue my work. Yeah. So you can draw strength from that, right? You're telling a hero story as opposed to a victim story. Exactly. Yeah. That's super important. So what, what's the work you do now? I don't know. Has uh, South Africa opened up? Uh, are you doing conferences and expos and talks or are you, What's going on on, on your end? Yes, yeah, so, so we haven't, op- we're on a level one, uh, but we still have like curfews. So for example, uh, if you're having an event, then you have like a limited capacity of about 50 people. Okay. So straight up in Nolan hasn't opened up uh, going out to schools as yet. There's still some restrictions at schools where schools are afraid of bringing in speakers, etc. Right. So right. most of my work, in fact, all of the work that I'm doing now is basically online. Right. Uh, so if there's programs like uh, two hours before you and I could get onto the call, I did an eight-day, uh, there's an eight-day coaching program that I'm doing to a set of students 
uh, at the local university. And I'm teaching them the basic stuff like gratitude, compassion, uh, humanity, self-worth, the power of our thoughts, goal setting, visualization. It's all these basic stuff that I'm teaching them, but I'm doing it over an eight day period. So I made it chunk size, so 30 minutes per session so that they can go back and do their homework and understand what was actually taught. So a lot of that I can do online uh, in, in group coaching. So that's one. I have an event tomorrow. Uh, it's the first one uh, that I'm going to be attending after a very long time. It's, it's a wellness, community wellness program. So I've been invited as a guest in there. Uh, I might get to speak. Uh, they did say, uh, depending on time, uh, I might speak. But in the same breath, it was a weekend that I was going to go away to another city. So I work very closely, Chris, with the deaf community. Yeah, I saw that you had, um, there was a lot of stuff on your website about the uh, South Africa Miss Deaf, uh, Miss, uh, yeah, it was like a beauty pageant, I think. Yeah, so, so, so like, I'm not sure in, in the UK, like, like you would have a normal Miss Universe contest, yeah. They now have one for the deaf community. Okay. And, and it's in three categories. So it's Miss Deaf Essay, Mr. Deaf Essay, and Mrs. Deaf Essay. Okay. So uh, I'm very closely knitted, uh, closely, I work closely with them. I don't have any family members that are deaf. Uh, but when I launched the company Straight Talk with Nolan, I had the deaf community come in there to share their stories. Uh, I capture inspirational stories on my YouTube channel. So I got them to come in to share their stories and I was blown away. Uh, Mrs. Deaf South Africa mentioned something to the whole audience here. She says, imagine if I could hear and all of you could not hear, who's the one with the disability? Man, and that struck a, a chord and it, it stayed with me ever since. So whenever there's an event, I get go out to them, I, I support them if there's a silent walk, etc. So this weekend uh, is preparations for Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Deaf Essay 2021. I was going to go out to do a motivational talk over the whole weekend with them. But because I'm only three and a half weeks out of hospital, I didn't want to take the chance uh, of going out and you know spending the weekend with them. So I suggested to them that I could do it via Zoom. All they need to do is just get everyone together and then I can do a motivational talk. So as much as we're still limited, we will still use whatever means we have with technology to try and, and spread the message out there. And uh, in terms of, um, so looking at your clients, do you mostly work with uh, young people or does that, are you across the board? Uh, it's, it's across the board, but my focus, my key focus is on teens and young adults. Okay. So as part of my, my moonshot, uh, my moonshot basically is to transform 1 million lives in Africa. And it says starting with the teens and the young adults by enhancing their mindset and thought process through our transformational coaching and personal mastery programs. I think you're going to have to upgrade that moonshot soon. That's not a moonshot. That's a you know, cloud shot. You, you're almost there. <laughs> Billion yeah. people, no, you're right. billion people. Come on, Nolan, you can do it. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I think Naveen Jain says it, that if you want to touch, uh, if, if you want to earn a billion dollars, you touch a billion people. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, ever since I was little, as long as I can remember, I've always said, well, I always aim for the stars. And, you know, uh, if anything, I earned that. Uh, at least end up at the moon, you know. Exactly. Um, so, you know, have uh, big, audacious goals and uh, you, you will achieve something great, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. 100% so, right. So how do you work with... Uh, so do you go out and do uh, kind of non, non-profit or pro bono work with the schools? Or? No. Yeah, so that's a good question. So what I'm currently doing with... For example, the university students, uh, I've basically said to them for every 20 paid students, I would coach five from a rural area for free. Okay. 
Yeah, so that's the, the motivation that I got with them. And the reason why, so, so I put in a, a, a financial value or monetary value to it purely because if you don't put a value, a financial value to anything, people are not going to really appreciate it as much. So I've made it as affordable as possible for the African market, just so that my goal is to add value to people's lives. Mm-hmm. So if I can add value to anyone's life, even if it's not on my coaching program, it's just a normal discussion, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I, I struggled with that when I first started my coaching practice because I sat down and I, I figured out the why and the what. And I said, and it was like tough going in the beginning. I had no clients. It was like, and I was like, what is the, what's the obstacle here? And I realized, well, well, at that time I thought, well, clearly if people are down rock bottom, they typically don't have any money, right? Yeah. So I need to get some experience here. So I offered up my services for free. You know, people didn't rush to the door, but I at least caught up or gathered up some clients and we could build uh, a bit of a uh, uh, client roster and experience. But then I was like, of course, you know, if I'm going to do this long term, I obviously have to make some money. So you have to monetize it, yeah. So I came up, my solution was to come up with a, uh, you know, a lot of us have sliding scales. So I said, okay, 0.11% of your annual salary per session. So if you make 40,000 a year, that's 44 pounds per, pers- mm-hmm. uh, per session. Now, I don't know what that's in the South African currency. But, uh, and, uh, you know, if you make a million a year, then that's going to be 1100. So the, you know, if you, because the value to, value is going to be the equivalent or might yeah. be greater for someone who makes a lot of money um, because then possibly I can help them make three times as much or, but it doesn't matter if you make 40,000 or a million, is still going to have the same kind of linear results, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So it's so that's kind of how I came about it, um, and that allows me then to work with people that don't have a lot of money, and um, you know, people that have a lot of money will appreciate the services from that point of view. But that there is as a big value to it, or there's a big cost to it. Yeah. So, so I also chase up after like corporates yeah. and sponsors because uh, many of times the youth really can't uh, afford to to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So I am speaking to, to a lot of corporates just to get them more and more involved as well, to see the benefit or the value add that's going to come to a person. And it will turn around because that a person that we adding value to will one day most probably be employed in, in the same corporate. Mm-hmm. or they could train the person to become employed in their corporate. So it's a win-win uh, overall, I would say. Well, exactly. And it's, it's With today's educational system, we are missing the missing a beat a lot of times in terms of what are the values that companies of the future are going to want to have. You know, we, we tend to educate based on what we needed in the past. We don't educate on what we need for the future. Um, yeah. You know, so I see in the uh, in the future that we, we are going to need visionaries. We're going to need people with that artistic flair to come up with these crazy ideas of solving problems because obviously the way we've solved problems previously doesn't work. Uh, yeah. It's taken us to, uh, you know, the brink of destruction <laughs> in terms of nuclear war, in terms of famine, in terms of uh, you know climate crisis, eco- uh, ecological destruction, um, obviously yeah. you know again no, nothing for us to be fearful of. But if we all show up as role models and do the best we can, then others can look at uh, with aspirational um, eyes. So yeah, looking at you, for example, with. Uh, your background and uh, people in your communities in the um, disadvantaged communities in South Africa, they can look at Nolan and be like, 
oh hell well if he can do why can't i exactly yeah you know if if not me then who yeah and that, i think that is a key question and i think everybody you know uh, people like you and i that seem to have things figured out we still need to ask ourselves that question because we we also grow and we step into our own greatness time and time and time again and we have, always have to ask ourselves if not me then who yeah right and that's a, that's a good point right because with growth like we are learning every single day these guys that we are actually coaching and mentoring as well they need to realize that we are still working on ourselves as well no matter where we are mm-hmm. and it's so crucial that you 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 have to do this on a daily basis continuous yeah, otherwise you end up with spiritual bypass um, yeah if you don't then you're going to start seeing yourself as being more important or more you know uh, better than anybody else it's like yes. i am i am complete kind of idea right yeah ego will kick yeah. in yeah go centric and ego always wants to kick in so we, <laughs> we always have yeah. to look in our rearview mirrors and our blind spots and say is it uh, rearing its ugly head now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah true so nolan how can people get hold of you if um, they want to work with you uh, so they can visit my website. It's www.straighttalkwithnolan.com mm-hmm. or they can find me on social media. My handle is Straight Talk with Nolan. Okay. And with the Straight Talk, it's a double T there, right? So it's straight and then talk with Nolan, all one word. Cool. Very good. And uh, is there an overarching message that you want to <clears throat> make sure that you get shared with the uh, with the with the world uh, that you kind of want to end our discussion with? Yeah. So I, I think my word would be along the lines that no matter what you, you go through, you can overcome anything in, in life. But you got to have a strong enough mindset to be able to overcome whatever you go through. And I say this with such a positive testimonial after being through COVID, uh, now where I was, I mean, there was a choice between life and death. So make sure you make the right choices. Once you make the right choices, take the action towards helping yourself out of that situation. So for example, when I decided that COVID was not gonna take me, I put into place daily rituals. So critically ill that I was in, I was still meditating uh, every single day. I was doing my religious prayer, my mantras. I was being grateful every single day. And, you know, I was visualizing as well. So Chris, I visualized myself while I was in ICU. I said to myself, on day, on a certain day, I will be in the ward. And guess what? It happened just like that, like clockwork. So believe in yourself, trust yourself, trust the process. Uh, and sometimes, especially now with COVID, don't be impatient. Uh, COVID, with COVID, you got to be patient. Me being the type of guy that's very sporty, likes to run about and stuff, I got to settle down now for three months without doing any of that. So learn to be patient and it will all come together. It shall pass, right? Yeah. It has to. No, definitely some uh, wonderful examples of lessons to take from, uh, from it. You know, know your fear, be patient, be great, grateful. And know know the whys and the whats, and uh, just trust the process. So yeah. trust is a huge one as well. So um, it's been wonderful spending this hour with you, Nolan, and uh, uh, I'm sure we're going to uh, do some wonderful work together in the future. So uh, I, I look forward to that. I'm sure as well. So thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and to your audience as well. My and pleasure. yeah, I look forward to being on this journey together. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Nolan. Take care. Thanks, man. Listening to Nolan, it gives me a completely new perspective on uh, fortitude and resolve and resourcedness. It's uh, quite an amazing story. 
However, we should keep in mind though that our own traumas are from our own perspective, so they are not to be diminished because of someone else's trauma that we might perceive as being quote-unquote worse than our own. But we can use these stories as uh, aspirations and inspirations for our own journeys and see how we might be able to incorporate tools that others have used for their own uh, self-development. As always, if you're keen to explore some of these topics that we touched upon in the uh, episode here from your own perspective, then uh, why don't you contact us uh, at The Alchem Experience for a 30-minute free consultation. Just go to our website, uh, thealchemyexperience.co.uk and down on the right hand corner of the webpage you will find a little notice and a link for you to book your uh, free 30 minute consultation with us. But in the meantime I wish you all the best and hope to see you back here at the Alchemy Experience podcast very soon. Take care!